You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Trevor Noah, and this is The Daily Social Distancing Show. Today is Thursday, March 18th, and I am so excited because that means this weekend is the first day of spring and it's the Persian New Year, Nowruz, which is the best New Year ever because part of the celebration is that you have to jump over a fire, which is so epic. This is gonna be my second year celebrating. Last year we did it for the first time, but there was a slight misunderstanding. We thought we'd jump into the fire, not over the fire. And like, long story short, rest in peace, Barry. Nowruz, baby, we're back. Anyway, coming up on tonight's show, we fill out our pandemic brackets. Biden and Putin are gonna throw down off to school. And did you know coronavirus is also affecting other countries? Plus, Arsenio Hall is our guest. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Let's kick things off with big news from the world of comic books. I mean, comic books are the reason I'm so excited about the spider bite. Ooh, it burns so strong. One of the biggest superheroes in the world right now is Captain America. And now after 80 years in the business, he's got a whole new vibe. Marvel will introduce a gay Captain America. Marvel released images of Aaron Fisher yesterday, touting him as the first openly queer character in Captain America's 80-year history. This is maybe my favorite, most upsetting story of the day. I have mixed emotions about this, is because it's just, the country's going bananas. He is a gay Captain America, complete with a nose ring, tats. When he takes off his skull cap there, he's got like a mohawk thing. He's not very muscular. What would really be pushing the boundaries is if maybe they had a conservative superhero or a Trump supporting superhero. (laughs) Okay. Okay. First of all, there already have been plenty of conservative superheroes, right? They don't say it, but you can tell. Like there's no way that billionaire Bruce Wayne supports taxing the rich. And Hawkeye, I mean, the guy lives on a farm in Iowa and has a Proud Boys haircut, come on. Wanda Maximoff, she wanted nothing more than to build a wall and take the country back to the 1950s. You don't need to say it. But there's probably a reason that there hasn't been a Trump supporting superhero. I mean, how helpful would that guy be in a crisis? Dr. Doom is threatening to kill half a million Americans. What do we do? So what? That's basically the same as the flu. I say we ignore him and it'll all go away magically. Personally, I think it's great to see more LGBTQ representation in comics. Although, to be honest, I kind of thought Captain America already was gay. I mean, he's always telling women, oh no, I can't date you. I have a girlfriend who lives in the 1940s. Still though, I'm sure just judging by the reactions, there's gonna be a certain type of guy who's gonna feel really awkward being saved by an openly gay superhero. Grab my hand before you fall off of this cliff. Oh, okay, but no homo. And speaking of people who are uncomfortable with gay superheroes, I love that news anchor complaining that the new Captain America isn't muscular enough. That's strange. I mean, I don't wanna see gay dudes in my comics, but if they're gonna be there, I should at least be turned on just a little. You know what I mean? But let's move on from superheroes to the world's biggest real life supervillain. Vladimir Putin. A newly declassified intelligence report has confirmed that Putin personally directed Russian meddling in the 2020 presidential election. And President Joseph Robitussin Biden 
isn't happy about it. In our world lead a threat from President Biden to Russian leader Vladimir Putin on interfering in the 2020 election. He will pay a price. I, we had a long talk, he and I. So you know Vladimir Putin, you think he's a killer? Mm-hmm, I do. So what price must he pay? The price he's gonna pay, well, you'll see shortly. President Putin himself has been asked about his response to Joe Biden's kind of affirmation that he thinks that President Putin's a killer. I wish him good health, and I'm not joking, I mean it. But when we judge people or other nations, we look into a mirror. We see ourselves there. When I was a child and we had arguments in the courtyard, we were saying, it takes one to know one. And it's not just the children saying, the meaning is very deep. Putin is right. Children's sayings still have a lot of important wisdom for us as adults. That's why I still get my yearly boosters for my cootie shots. Whew, I mean, if a girl ever touches me, I'm all set. But it is funny that Putin has to clarify that he's not joking when he wishes Biden good health. Because let's face it, the man has killed so many people, everyone always just assumes that that's what he means. I wouldn't be shocked if this causes a ton of problems for him. President Putin, your cousin is here. What would you like me to do? Ah, uh, please. Take care of him, Boris. Understood, sir. No, 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 Boris, Boris. I mean, show him a good time. Ah, I know what you mean. No, no, I mean like, you know, take him to concert or something. Ah, yes. Performance in the sky, right away. Sir. No, no, I'm saying like, maybe, uh, you know what? Just kill him. This, this is taking too much of my time. But clearly, people, this exchange is the beginning of a much more confrontational relationship between America and Russia. And that's gonna be tricky. Because on the one hand, Joe Biden is probably right to call out Vladimir Putin's aggression. But on the other hand, I'm pretty sure that Vladimir Putin has all of my passwords. So I think he's doing a great job. Now, while Biden is fending off Putin, he's also dealing with a crisis closer to home at the Mexican border. Because even though Biden ended some of Trump's cruel immigration policies and is trying to return children who Trump separated from their families, that has not been enough to end the suffering. President Biden urging migrants not to make the journey to the U.S. as the White House works to get a handle on the surge at the southern border. Nearly 4,300 unaccompanied children were in Border Patrol custody as of Sunday afternoon, according to data obtained by NBC News. The new figures are a record high. Nearly 3,000 of those children have been in custody over the 72-hour legal limit. In an interview with ABC News, the president pushing back on criticism migrants are crossing in such large numbers because he has reversed several several Trump-era immigration policies. The idea that Joe Biden said come, because I, I heard the other day that they're, they're coming because they know I'm a nice guy. Well, here's the deal. They're not. Do you have to say quite clearly, don't come? Yes, I can say quite clearly, don't come. Don't leave your town or city or community. Hmm. Okay, that's worth a shot, I guess. But the phrase, don't come, isn't going to prevent immigration any more than it prevented pregnancy on Bridgerton. Because Biden is still being way more welcoming than people are used to. I mean, don't come is basically an engraved invitation compared to you shithole country rapists need to pay for our wall. But that's right. Border crossings are surging right now. And the part that's causing the most concern is what to do with the unaccompanied children. Because under Trump, they would just be sent back to terrible migrant camps in Mexico. Biden, on the other hand, wants to send them through the asylum process in the US. But the problem is the system is too overwhelmed to do it quickly. So the kids are languishing in detainment camps here. And please, 
Let's not forget to have empathy for these migrants because who can blame parents for wanting to give their children a better life? I mean, there's just so many more opportunities for them in America. I mean, think about it. Blue Ivy just won a Grammy. Who wouldn't want that for their child? And let's move on now to our main story, the coronavirus vaccine, AKA the thing you're pretty sure your friend lied to get. Although the vaccine rollout has been going fairly well in the United States, that has not been true everywhere else in the world. But why? Well, let's find out in another episode of Keeping Up With Corona, International Edition. Let's begin with the situation in Europe, the Baskin Robbins of white people. The continent never really got the pandemic under control, and now it's struggling with vaccinations. While 22% of Americans have gotten at least one shot, in most countries in Europe, that number is only 8%. Honestly, it's been surprising to see Europe struggle so much. I mean, this is Europe, the most sophisticated place on earth. They have Denmark. They should be crushing this, but they're not. And now a controversy over one of their vaccines is only making things worse. Over in Europe, they are not facing good news. The continent is facing a third wave of the COVID pandemic, as at least five countries have now suspended using the AstraZeneca vaccine. More than a dozen countries have halted the use of the vaccine, including Germany, France, and Italy, as a precautionary measure. But regulators here insist there is no link between the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine and a higher incidence of blood clots. AstraZeneca says a review of 17 million people here in the UK and in Europe who've received the vaccine found less than 40 developed blood clots, in their words, even lower than you'd expect to find in the general population. Just 37 cases in 17 million vaccinations, leaving many wondering why stop the entire program. Okay, look, I understand being safe. I totally understand being safe. But at the same time, these blood clots are affecting 0.0002% of people. So you might as well be worried that lightning is gonna strike the metal of the needle as you're getting the vaccine. And it's crazy that France, of all the countries, is stopping the vaccine because of health side effects. I mean, their national fruit is the cigarette. So a lot of people do think that Europe is overreacting. And I'll be honest, I think I know what the problem is. It's because European scientists are explaining the side effects in a normal tone of voice. You see, if you want side effects to sound less scary, you gotta list them super fast while a fungus dances on our toes. It's also important to remember that not all side effects are the same, right? There are side effects that are more dangerous than the disease that they're fighting. Those are the worst. And then there are side effects that are serious, but are worth the risk. And then, I mean, then there are side effects that are just funny. You know, like, like diarrhea and boners that won't go away. So doctors have to keep that in mind. But let's move on to Africa the world's biggest country. Because while Europe's vaccines are sitting unused in the back of the fridge, many poorer countries have been waiting a long time to get any vaccines at all. We are experiencing, Eamon, a massively uneven vaccine rollout across the world. Only one of the top 40 countries in the world for vaccine rollout is in Africa. 
touching down in Nairobi. COVID-19 vaccinations arrive in Kenya for the very first time. Kenya received its initial shipment of just over 1 million doses as part of the COVAX program, an initiative backed by the World Health Organization aimed at reducing vaccine inequality. In addition to Ghana and Kenya, Rwanda, Senegal and the Ivory Coast are among countries to recently receive low-cost or free vaccines through COVAX, but it comes after a long wait, far behind wealthier nations that can pay full price. It took us 83 days from the first jab in the UK to the first jab in Africa. God damn, 83 days? That's like two viewings of the Snyder Cut. Look, the world needs to do a better job of getting vaccines to developing nations because don't forget, if you let coronavirus fester in one place for long enough, it's gonna mutate and it's gonna come back even stronger where you live. It happens all the time. When Ebola first got to Africa, it was just a stubbed toe. And what's especially frustrating about this is that there are so many people in places like America who can get the vaccine and they just don't want it. I feel like what they should do is make an exchange program where Africans get to swap countries with anti-vaxxers. Vax swap only on Paramount+. Now, while it's true that right now there aren't enough vaccine doses to go around to every country, there actually is a solution to that. Give pharmaceutical companies in developing nations the vaccine recipes and let them make their own. But so far, countries that have those recipes are going full-on Oprah meme. The United States and other wealthy members of the World Trade Organization have blocked a proposal to waive intellectual property rights related to COVID vaccines. South Africa and India had pushed the proposal as part of an attempt to increase the availability of vaccines in poorer countries. Both the United States and the European Union want to uphold patents on the basis that they encourage companies to invest in research and innovation. This drug maker, just a few hours from the Bangladesh capital, produces a lot of different vaccines. But the one it can't yet produce is the most in demand for COVID-19. The manufacturer says it has plenty of spare capacity and it could produce between 600 to 800 million coronavirus vaccines a year if it got a license. Wait, hold up. The entire planet could get millions more vaccine doses a year if they just waived the patents on the vaccines, but the US and the European Union don't want to? So you're gonna tell me that Africa is expected to share our vibranium, but we can't get their vaccines? Well, that's real fair. Now, look, I do understand where drug companies are coming from on this. I mean, if Nani Indira wants a vaccine, then Nani Indira can design and distribute her own vaccine. It's called personal responsibility. And people are saying, this is a global pandemic. Doesn't Nani's life matter more than the share price of Pfizer? All right, fine, let's compromise then. Pfizer should just give Nani some stock options. That way, everyone who's left alive makes money. But it turns out, not every country in Africa is desperate to get the vaccine. In fact, the country of Tanzania hasn't even been trying to get it, mostly because President John Magufuli claimed that COVID-19 isn't even real. Although he might be changing his mind now. The president of Tanzania, John Magafuli, has died. He was a prominent COVID-19 skeptic and had not been seen in public since the end of February. In all this government, no one wears a mask, including me. It proves that there is no coronavirus and God loves this nation. 
President Magufuli was more than a coronavirus skeptic. His government stopped sharing data with the World Health Organization last year and declared Tanzania COVID-free through divine intervention. He displayed a disregard for health advice, focusing on prayer and local remedies, while also claiming the vaccines were dangerous. There were sources within Tanzania that he was very sick with COVID-19. That, of course, is not confirmed. But given all the circumstances at play and the secrecy with which the government uh, did its business, many people are skeptical that, in fact, it was only a heart condition that led to his death. What have I been telling you guys from the beginning? The biggest risk factor of corona is disrespecting corona. Anytime somebody says, this virus is no big deal, corona's like, okay, okay, it's gonna be like that, huh? Okay, then two weeks later, it's fisting your lungs. Who's the hoax now, huh, huh? This real enough for you, huh, huh? And look, I know it's easy to shit on the African country with the strongman leader who doesn't believe in science, but please, don't forget, America also had a COVID-denying president who got COVID. The only difference is America had the elite medical teams with experimental drugs to keep its dumb president alive. So that's what's happening with the vaccine rollouts across the globe. And even though things are going well in the United States, Americans unfortunately do need to pay attention to the world. Because you see, as long as the virus is still out there, it can always come back here because no country is an island, except for Iceland and the UK and all the Caribbean countries, I guess. Sorry, other than, but you know what I mean? No country is an island. All right, when we come back, Madagascar. Madagascar is also, and Tonga, Brunei. Is that a country, Brunei? Brunei maybe as well, sorry. All right, when we come back, we've got, oh, Australia. Oh, a continent or an island, when does... When we come back, we've got an exciting new tournament bracket that you're gonna wanna fill out, and Arsenio Hall joins us on the show. So don't go away. Is Mauritius one of them? Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. We are now in the month of March, again, or still? Either way, it's hard to keep track. And since it's March, it's time once again to fill out your brackets. And no, I'm not talking about college basketball brackets. I'm talking about your daily show, Bracket of Bullshit, Pandemic Edition. Because I know most of last year was terrible, but some of it was just annoying and dumb. So we've put together a tournament to choose which trivial annoyance bugged you the most. And here to break it all down is Michael Costa and Roy Wood Jr. What's going on, everybody? I'm Roy Wood Jr. And I'm Michael Costa. Man, oh man, Roy, did this pandemic year come with some annoying ass bullshit. It sure did, Costa. My blood is boiling just thinking about all that irritating coronavirus poppycock. Poppycock? Yeah, man, my kid's in the other room. He doesn't have headphones. I can't be dropping S-bombs all over the place. Suit yourself, head. Let's jump into the bracket. This year, our 64 biggest annoyances are divided into four regions, at home, safety, social, and news and entertainment. I gotta begin with at home, because that's where we've got some of the stuff that annoyed me the most, like being forced to cook. Dude, I'm so sick of cooking. I never wanted to know the difference between a chef's knife and a paring knife. You're still using knives, Roy? I gave up on utensils back in November. Now I eat steak with my bare hands like it's a breakfast bar. I don't give a shit. 
Respect, respect. Here's a contender I'm really sick of, taking walks. Don't get me started on walks. All I do is walk, 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 walk. At this point, my shoes are more worn out than Obama after his second term. I've walked around the same block so many times, my neighbors called the cops on me and I'm white. Another hopeful in the bracket that pisses me off, quarantinis. Even the word itself is annoying. Makes me want to slap my own mouth. Okay, Roy, but isn't this just people trying to make their drinking seem cute? Putting teeny at the end of a word doesn't make you any less of an alcoholic. Oh, what's this? Oh, it's my lunch break teeny. Oh, and this? It's my parent-teacher conference teeny. Call it what it is. Drink it alone in front of your laptop. Roy, and there's nothing wrong with that, man. Our next pain in the butt category, pandemic safety. And you can't talk about safety without talking about masks. They're saving lives, but they're still annoying as hell. And what's the most annoying thing about them? Well, you've got mask knee, you've got the tight ear loops, and as I like to call them, the under the nose bros. Hell yeah! Mask under the nose is bringing the heat. What's with these people? You gotta cover the mouth and the nostrils. Same as if you're trying to smother somebody with a pillow. I've been watching a lot of murder documentaries. Oh, okay. Well, that gets us into our next category, news and entertainment. Lots to be annoyed with here, but I think that movies getting delayed could go all the way. Bro, you may be right. I spent years waiting for a black James Bond. Now, I'll just settle for any Bond I can get. Give me Daniel Craig, Pierce Brosnan, hell, I'll take Seth Rogen. That's interesting. They could call it live and get high. Yeah, I was thinking high another day. That works too. But here's something else that's PO'd a lot of people this last year, having to root for Big Pharma. <sighs> that one stings, man. Big Pharma's supposed to be the bad guy. Now everybody's treating Johnson & Johnson like it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You know, sure, we love them now, but as soon as I get my vaccine, I'm gonna be going right back to hating them again until I need my booster. After that, they can go f themselves. You know what I think is gonna be hard to beat, though? Say it with me, Costa. Okay. Kim Kardashian's 40th birthday party. That was some bullshit. Kim invited all her friends and family to a private island and rubbed it in all of our dumb double masked faces. Yeah, her 40th birthday was bigger than mine and mine was before the pandemic. You had a 40th birthday party? I'm, I'm sorry, bro. We got a bad connection. Yeah, I'll say. Speaking of connecting, let's hit up our fourth and final category, everything social. An MVP coming in hot, FaceTiming with your parents. My mom still doesn't have the hang of it. I've seen so much of her forehead, I could do an ice sculpture of it blindfolded. Just be glad she's in the frame at all. I just spent two hours talking to my mom's ceiling fan. I think a key player in this category is gonna be thriving friends. Y'all know who these people are. All those annoying people posting about how great they're doing. Yeah, I don't need to see a 20 minute video of you mastering the crow pose or of your juice cleanse journey. At this point, I know so much about my cousin Dave's colon, I could be his proctologist. And it's not a real pandemic bracket if Zoom didn't get in the game. We got funny Zoom backgrounds, Zoom parties, Zoom time limits. Who are you to limit my time, Zoom? What's next, I only get 40 minutes in the bathroom too? I hate, hate, hate that time limit. I could go off on this all day. I mean, for one reason, this is- Oh, uh, looks like I forgot to upgrade to the business version. My bad, guys. Anyway, the Daily Show Bracket of Bullshit Pandemic Edition is live right now. So go to dailyshowbracket.com and start voting and find out if everyone else was as annoyed by the same things as you were. When we come back, 
The man himself, Arsenio Hall, will be joining me on the show. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with legendary comedian and actor Arsenio Hall. We talked about what it was like being the first black late-night talk show host in America and making the sequel to Coming to America. Arsenio Hall, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. <laughs> Thank you, man. I I watch you, so it's kind of... I'm trying to be cool. It's kind of exciting. Oh, please. I'm trying to be cool. Oh, no, please. Cool. Oh, I, please, I what love, are you talking I, about? I love what you're doing, Trevor. You're, you're, you're smart, you're funny. By the way, the Grammys... I watched the Grammys twice, bro. Thank you, man. First of all, congratulations. Coming to America. Uh, the biggest movie in America right now. Amazon says it was so successful they thought that their servers were breaking. That is how successful the movie has been. You came back, the cast came back, new additions came back, but I mean, I know what I was looking forward to was seeing that magical combo again, Eddie and Arsenio, looking forward to seeing the preacher. I was looking forward to seeing the new character. I loved, I loved, uh, I loved that little new character that you had there. That, that was, was yeah, that was pretty amazing. I was just like, is that Arsenio? I was, you, my man, congratulations. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and and I love having a movie that I'm in compared to Kim Kardashian's ass. You know, I mean, because that's the last time I saw some get broken. Online, <laughs> you know, that's the last time the internet got broken. Yes, yes, and we got close to Kim's ass. We got close. We didn't break it, but we got close. My friend, it's it's been such a success, and 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 you can see why. I want to talk to you about the journey that you've been on. You know, yourself and Eddie, the the journey of coming to America. I mean. This is, you know, now it seems like an obvious concept because it's been done. But coming to America was one of the craziest ideas for a movie and the way you guys executed was double crazy. No one was just playing all of the characters during that time. When you were thinking of this together, when you and Eddie were talking about it, did you, did you think it would work or was it one of those where you're like, let's, let's do this crazy thing and just have fun? Well, you know, initially when Eddie brought me the concept and was reading off pad, you don't see that anymore, but he's reading off off a yellow legal pad and it's just a fish out of water movie about two guys who come to America and Eddie was going through some personal stuff then where he said you know I meet women and they know I'm Eddie Murphy and they know I got paper we didn't use the term paper back then but uh, you know, I, I sometimes worry that they don't accept me for me horrible situations where I know they're not accepting me for who I am I wish right. I could Right. Go someplace and people not know who I was. And that was where that movie started. And everybody loves Eddie's characters and they wanted him to play characters. And right. you guys will be some of the people you meet when you come to America. That set it off and took it to another place. The first time I watched Coming to America, I remember the, the, the credits playing at the end and then they started putting up all the people. And I expected the Eddie thing. I genuinely did, because I was like, oh yeah, I thought that was Eddie. I thought that was... No joke. Every time that there were a character was you, I was like, no, no, how, no. You, you have an ability. At some point, did you say, he's even that bitch in a red dress? Did you say that? <laughs> <laughs> you, you have the ability to transform completely. Eddie was supposed to do that witch doctor, shaman character, right. Robert. And he found out, he looked at the models, and he found out it was a six and a half hour makeup job. And he was like, 
He didn't tell me at first. He said, bro, you know what? I think you'd be better for the witch doctor. And I'm like, he, just, he said, he gave me all that bullshit you just gave me. Yeah, you, you, there's something about you in the prosthetics. When you go under, man, you go deep into it. And, you know, I, I think this one's for you. And I found out he didn't want to do it. <laughs> I love it, man. You, you, the two of you have had an interesting connection your entire lives. And, and I, I love how your connection came from the, pack, the fact that back, in, back when you were doing comedy, there were so few black comedians who were on the scene. And, and, and w why I'm so interested in that is because of what I do. Arsenio Hall is literally part of the reason that I sit here today. I remember watching your show on TV in South Africa and all of a sudden there was just like an influx of black people on a late night TV show. And it wasn't just successful, it was the biggest show at the time. You were breaking every possible barrier, giving people opportunities that never had gotten opportunities. I mean, you know, Mariah Carey's debut on television, Arsenio Hall, Usher Raymond, Arsenio Hall. You know, just, I mean, the, the list is, is endless. I mean, you had everybody on from Michael Jackson to, to Prince, you know, you, you, you had Magic Johnson on after he had revealed his HIV status, he came on Arsenio Hall. That time and that legacy is so interesting to me for two reasons. One, because you broke what existed, but also because you started a journey that then it seems like Hollywood just stopped doing after you stopped doing the show. You were, you were bringing women on board as executive producers. You, you were bringing black people on as writers who never got opportunities. You, you made an inclusive staff. What do you think happened that that just didn't carry on after you left in, in, in every other show that got made? Well, Wow, I don't know if I'm aware of that totally, but um, that's, that's nice to hear. And, and maybe we got too comfortable because sometimes when things aren't right, you fight for things, you battle. I remember asking for an intern program when I first got my gig. I did that when I tried to raid the writers' rooms of the other shows, there were no black writers. That's the right. first thing I know. And I'm so proud. My first intern was John Singleton, who went on to win an Oscar, you know, and, and a lot of wonderful writers and interns came through there. So I fought a lot because I felt we didn't have what we needed. I remember watching some of the other shows and you could wait a month and not see a black person. You know, when I was growing up in Cleveland, you know, you would spread the word around and say, hey, I hear Al Green gonna be on the Tonight Show next month. You know, <laughs> it was a big thing, you know? So I wanted to uh, bring more faces. And, and like you said, more women. My whole staff, the important ones, were all females, you know? I shouldn't right. say that, I'll, I'll get in trouble for that. But, but, uh, but basically, I saw a need and I tried to fill those needs. I think once we get comfortable, we stop pushing. And also keep in mind, the pie has been spreaded in a different way now. Right. We're in a situation now where between the internet and I, I mean, everything from SoundCloud to Instagram, you don't have to come one or two places anymore right, right, to right. show the world what you do. You, you achieved a lot of these things when you were so young. You were young, Eddie was young. Do you sometimes like regret the fact that you were that young when it was happening or, or, or did you feel that you guys had level heads even though you were that young? Because most people wouldn't survive being that famous in their early 20s. Yeah, I had a great time and I think everything happens for a reason. I believe strongly in God's plan. Uh, if I had that schedule now, like, Trevor, just sitting here looking at your dimples tires me out. <laughs> you know? So back in the day, I had all the energy and the enthusiasm and the dream. And now I love being the old head who sits and talks about it and 
looks for my next gig here and there. Right. What 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 is up next for Arsenio Hall? Because I mean, I feel like you could do anything. The the acting bug bit me, man. You know, I've been out doing stand up and doing a lot of things, yeah. but I hadn't acted in a while, and uh, that's where I'm headed next. I w- I want to act more. So uh, when you do your life story, let me play your cousin Squeaky, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever his name is. <laughs> oh man. I feel like you could, after seeing you play the characters you played, I genuinely believe you could play any, I'll, I'll cast you as my uncle. We put a few prosthetics in there and, and I think you got the gig. Arsenio, man, I could talk to you forever. And uh, I congratulate you, man. Thank you for everything you've done, not just uh, in the movies, but behind the scenes in the industry. Thank you for being a, a, a mentor. Thank you for being a friend. Uh, you know, thank you for putting everybody on because that's what you did. You put everybody on, which you didn't have to do. I appreciate you. Look after yourself. And uh, we'll see you in the next movie, my friend. God bless you, Trevor. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much, my dude. Don't forget, Coming to America is available now on Amazon Prime Video. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, it is Women's History Month, so please consider supporting Black Girls Code, an organization dedicated to leveling the playing field for girls of color in STEM. By supporting Black Girls Code, you're helping empower young girls to change their lives using technology and change all of our lives as well for the better. If you can help out, go to the link below and donate whatever you can. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, as the great children's philosopher once said, would you like a Hertz donut? Ha-ha! Hertz donut. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 